uh, final week in our uh, sermon series on the genius of generous living. We saw the very first week from Philippians chapter 2. This is the foundation. Got to have that right. The reason for us to be followers uh, as followers of Jesus to be generous people is because Jesus is a generous God. Jesus Christ is the most generous person in all of history. He willingly left the splendor, the glory of heaven to take on a human body, endure all the ugliness of planet Earth, did that in a sinless way, therefore qualified to take our place on the cross. And why did he take our place on the cross? Think with me. All of our sin. Can you just picture just for a moment, Jim, all the sins you've ever committed? I know that's not a pretty picture for any of us, but just imagine you can picture them, and and even all the ones you haven't yet committed, uh, all of us, you know, those sinful people next to you, go ahead, look at them, all of their sin too, okay? All of our sin, Jesus willingly knew his destination was to take our sin on himself, the cross. And then he took our place in the grave. And then early on Sunday morning, you ready? He didn't stay dead. He literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead, defeated sin and Satan and death, and that becomes the bridge to eternal life. So he gets us over the bridge through the cross, and now we become his children, and we're blessed, and he keeps on giving us amazing gifts, his spirit, his word, his church, his grace, his forgiveness. Are you ready for this? The best is yet to come, you know? We, we get to be new heaven, new earth, face-to-face with our King, Jesus Christ. Just keeps lavishing amazing gifts on us. Why should we be generous people? What's the motivation? Jesus Christ has been so generous with us. How, how on earth could we not be generous in response Week number two, we were in Mark chapter 12, and we looked at a poor widow who literally gave the last money she had. She emptied out her savings account, she uh, got, got rid of her retirement account, and she literally went and gave the last two pennies, the last two mites that she had in the entire world. She gave all she had to the Lord and his temple. And Jesus says to the disciples, See that woman? That's the example you're supposed to follow. That's what generosity looks like as he shows this woman that uh, she's an example for us to follow. Week number three, we uh, were listening to the words of Jesus where your treasure is. What's the rest of it? There will your your heart be also. Where, Where your money goes, your heart flows. That's the way we're wired. And later on in that passage, Jesus urges us not to store up treasure on earth. Don't hoard treasure here on earth. I want you to pay it forward. I I want you to store up treasure in the first bank of Jesus Christ. Again, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then the summary verse, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. It's impossible. No one can serve both God and money. Either God through Jesus Christ is on the throne 
or money and chasing after stuff is on the throne. You can't have them both first. It's impossible. You're going to have to choose. And we said Jesus doesn't want or need our money. Jesus isn't, he's not broke. But here's what Jesus knows until he has our treasure, until we're open-handed, ready to give him the first and the best 10%, until we're ready to do it his way, he doesn't really have our hearts. Week number four, we were digging into 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is God's universal law of life. It's true for all of us here today. It's true for you. It's true for me. It's true down through history. He thought this was so important, he put it in another place. Galatians 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Here's the problem. We all think we're the exception to that law. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know that applies to other people, but I think I can get away with it. Uh, I, I think I can spend recklessly, don't live on a budget, uh, mount up debt, take out loans wherever I want, and I still think I'm going to be okay and Jesus will bless me financially. <laughs> I'm the exception to that rule, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. I can eat whatever I want. I, I don't need to diet. I don't need to exercise. I don't need to pay any attention to all that stuff. And I'm still going to have great health and, and have great abs. I know that I'm the exception to that rule. I, 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 can, I can say, you know, I don't have the money to give much to Jesus or anything. So he knows that. And, and maybe if I get rich, then maybe I'll think about it. But, but I'm pretty sure even though I'm not sowing any seed, Jesus is still going to help me and bless me with a great harvest. What's the problem with that thinking? You ready? Here it is. You reap what you sow. Say it with me. You reap what you sow. That's true in every area of our lives. I'm going to be unfriendly and mean and ornery, and I'm never going to move towards people with kindness, but I'm still going to have lots of friends. Excuse me. No, you're not. Why? Say it with me. You, you reap what you sow. You, you can just keep going in every area of life. It's God's universal law. We reap what we sow. Last week, we were uh, looking at Proverbs 22 and verse 7. It says this, The rich rule over the poor. And someone hollers out, That's not fair. <laughs> and I would holler back, You're right. This world is not fair. It's a fallen world. Uh, and, and therefore, it's not fair, and this is the truth. Like it or not, it's true. The rich rule over the poor. But that wasn't our focus, was it? It was the next line. And the borrower is slave to the lender. I'm just telling you. Remember I had the chains on? You walk around in chains. The number one cause of divorce is what kind of problems? Anybody know? It's money problems. It's true. Every survey, every, everybody that's dug into it, the number one stressor of marriage is finances. If finances are messed up, that brings pressure and stress into the husband and wife relationship. The average American spends $1.22 
for every dollar they earn. Shall I say that again? Just think about this. We spend $1.22 for every dollar that we earn in our country. And again, you're saying, why are you talking for six weeks about money and finances and generosity, Pastor Jeff? Let me remind you, you said this last week, 2,300 verses in the Bible that deal with money. 2,300 verses, Old and New Testament, talk about money. That's five times more verses than on the subject of prayer. We believe in prayer here. We talk a lot about prayer. Okay, it's five times more verses that then deal with the, the issue of faith in God's word. That's three times more verses about money than the subject of love in the Bible. You understand? So if we're going to be people of the book, and we are a church that's dedicated to the book, how on earth can you avoid, how on earth can we just ignore the subject of money and finances and generosity? You can't if you're honest. We have to dig in. We said the secret of money and living a Christian life is three words. I want you to say them with me. You ready? It's give and save and, okay, want to try it again? It's give and save and live. Here's how it works. Give the first and best 10% to the Lord. He's due that. We'll talk about that later. Save the next 10%. Or if you want to think of it this way, uh, pay the Lord, pay yourself, and then live on the rest. And you math majors, what's left? Tell me. 80%. Okay, that's what you got to live on. Okay? And now you can form your budget. Give the Lord the first and best 10%. I'm going to pay myself 10% into savings, and then I'm going to live on the rest. The reality is that if you haven't lived that way, or maybe you've ignored give, save, live for a long time, you're going to be in a financial hole if you don't do it God's way, which is, I believe, give, save, live. So last week we talked about uh, not wanting something from you, we were wanting something for you. And we introduced uh, this wonderful program called Financial Peace University. How many of you have been through Financial Peace University at some point? Okay, it, It's the best tool that I, we've been doing it for about 20 years here. We've literally seen hundreds of people go through doing it God's way. And by the way, it's built on the principles of God's word. And uh, Dave Ramsey is about as an enthusiastic uh, teacher of this, this tool that I've ever come around. So again, here's, here's great news. Are you ready? You want to celebrate a little something? There's, there's like 25 people in the old kitchen right now. And uh, they got challenged and uh, they're, they're showing up. Uh, hopefully, if, if you did that, okay, I won't look, I won't call you out, just get up and go. If you said, oh yeah, I forgot about that, just go. They're waiting for you, okay, in the old kitchen. But a wonderful way to get out of the hole is, is this. Today, our last and final week, we're going to look at a promise from the Lord that's so solid, so secure, so absolute, the Lord says, I dare you to test me on this one. It's the only place in God's word where the Lord 
challenges us to test him. It's like he says, um, this is so secure and so absolute, you can trust me so much, I double-dog dare you on this one. And uh, that's what we're going to look at today. So uh, on your phone or in your Bible, locate the very last book of the Old Testament, the Italian prophet, Malachi, and we're going to uh, read out loud from Malachi chapter 3. And uh, as we're reading, here's what I want you to do. I I want you to watch for the promise. I want you to to look as we read, where is it the Lord's saying, I dare you. I double-dog dare you to test me on this one. We're going to start in verse 6, read down to verse 12. If you're able, would you stand? Let's read out loud from God's book. Ready? Here we go. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Let's pray together. Lord, every one of us were uh, down a court of sleep. And the natural tendency right now is to feel like we're sleepy and can't pay attention. So I'd ask you right now, would you wake us up? Pray that your Holy Spirit caffeine would uh, literally awaken us and alert us because we need to hear from you today. I pray especially for those who've never tested the Lord, who've never tested you on this promise. Lord, would you awaken them? Would you help them to hear clearly from you today? Lord, we realize the the power of your book is clear, it's alive, it's, it's able to do powerful things in us. And right now, we want to invite the other power that's at work, the power of your spirit. So we welcome the third person of the Trinity. Come and speak and nudge and prompt and and convict and correct us, Lord. We need to hear from you. Speak, Lord. We're ready to listen. We're awake. We're alive what you have to say to us today.
and all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. The nation of Israel was disobedient in big ways, and God uh, allowed the Assyrians to capture the north. About 150 years later, he allowed the Babylonians to come and wipe out the south, Judah. They spent 70 years in captivity in Babylon. And at first, when they got back to the land, it's me and you, Lord, and they, and they were doing it God's way. They, they, were, they were tight with the Lord. They were living obediently, and God's blessing was upon them and their land. God, God was blessing but I just got to say, we're an awful lot like them. We get back and we start taking things for granted. And pretty soon, God's chosen children began to drift. Their love and obedience became lukewarm. And pretty soon, they were wandering and straying and they weren't doing it God's way anymore. Especially regarding the laws of the tithe. So the Lord sent his spokesman, Malachi, to go to Israel, to go to the Jewish leaders. I want you to get this message out to my chosen children, and I want you to tell them, repent. That's what Malachi was all about. God sent him, go and tell them, you're going this direction, but I want you to turn and go the other way. Repent and return to me. Come and live obediently to me so I can bless you once again. Malachi 1.8, eight. want to look there, you can. Malachi 1, verse 14, here's the problem. They had smelly refrigerators, right? No, the problem was, here was their sin, they were giving God their leftovers. They were giving... Uh, the Lord, things that they didn't really want or need, so, oh, we're not going to use this. I got this blind lamb. I, I've got this diseased goat. I, I've got this lame calf. Can't, can't eat it, can't sell it. I, I'll give it to the Lord as a sacrifice. You understand? They were giving the Lord their spoiled leftovers, and they thought that was just fine, you know? Well, we'll give him whatever's left over, no big deal. They were demonstrating by giving God their leftovers where their hearts were. They were far from God. Verse 7, Malachi 3, 7. The issue here is priorities. Malachi says your priorities are all messed up. You, you've got things in first place that don't belong in first place. The Lord your God should have first place in your life and in your heart and instead you got a whole bunch of other things that are most important in your life he says verse 7 return to me and I'll return to you Do you understand the Lord never moved the Lord never changed but they turned and wandered away he says do the u-turn and come back to me return to me and I'll return to you and he knows what they're thinking well how do we return to you Lord Verse 8, here's his answer, quit robbing God. Quit stealing from the Lord. And he knows what they're thinking, and he says, uh, how are we robbing and stealing from you, Lord? 
Look at the last part of verse 8. Here's how you're robbing and stealing from the Lord. You're, you're robbing God in your tithes and in your offerings. Okay? The tithe means to literally offer the first and the best 10% to the Lord. Literally means one-tenth. And it doesn't just mean any one-tenth, evidenced by their diseased and lame and blind lambs they were offering. No, the Lord says, I want, I deserve the first and the best 10% of what I have given you. You give it back to me. Track with me now. Give me your eyes. Tithing is a tool. It's a tool to demonstrate our loyalty and our faithfulness to the Lord our God. In other words, track with me. Everything I have in my life today, it's a gift from you, Lord. So now I demonstrate my love and my loyalty back to you, King Jesus, because everything I have you've given to me, and now I give the first and the best 10% back to you. Do you understand? It's, it's literally offering back to him, showing him, Jesus, you're the first priority in my life. That's what he's saying here in Malachi 3 and verse 8. You've wandered. You're offering me leftovers. I'm saying come back and make me the priority of your life. And how do you demonstrate that? By giving the Lord the first and the best 10%. That's what he's saying here. That, that's how you show it. That's how you show that you're living a loyal and obedient life. God says to his chosen people, Israel, and I think by application he says to his chosen children in Walloon, 2018, this isn't about getting your money, this is about getting your heart. You understand? The Lord doesn't need our money, but he desperately wants our hearts. And he knows that until he has first place in our finances, he doesn't have our hearts. That's the way we're wired. That's the way that we are created. We're trusting him with our life because our hearts follow our money. Okay? When I give the first and the best 10%, I'm showing where my heart is. Malachi 3, verse 9. The Lord says, things aren't going well right now, my children. <laughs> You're not doing very well, Israel. You're not doing very well, follower of Jesus. What's the problem? He says, the problem is you're not obeying. You're not aligning your life up with my book. And therefore, I can't bless when you choose not to do it my way. Get your priorities right, because I really want to bless you. Verse 10, the Lord says, this is how the blessing comes. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Bring it all in. Test me in this. Give me, a, give me a try, I dare you, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that you won't even have enough room to store it all, all the blessing that I'm going to throw down your way. When you do it my way, okay? The command, first of all, is not a suggestion. It's an order. It's an order from our five-star general. Who's our five-star general? Church? Jesus Christ, right. 
So he says, bring the entire first and best 10% into the storehouse. Old Testament storehouse means you're bringing it into the temple. You're bringing it in so that the sacrificial system and the Levites and the priests, they can make sacrifices which all point to Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. Does it make sense? So Old Testament, God's plan was the Jews. It was the sacrificial system. It was the temple. And he says, bring, bring all of the first and best 10% so we can take care of the sacrificial system. I, I would ask, well, what's God's plan today? Because if you go to Israel, there is no temple. There is no sacrificial system going on with animals like in the Old Testament. Are, are you ready? The storehouse today, God's plan to reach and change the world today, is the local church. <laughs> it's the local church. And, and I believe with all my heart, he's saying here, I want you to give the first and the best 10%. Go to the local church that you are ministered to, that you are a part of, where together, working as a church family, you can carry out the work that God has called you together to accomplish. Tracking with me? Okay. So you, you find that local body where they're focusing on Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb and God's book, and, and you plug in. And when you do that together, then as we tithe, bring the first and the best 10%, then you can have worship centers that are paid for. You tracking with me? Then you can have youth buildings that are paid for before you even move in. You can have youth pastors, and, and there can be things like Wednesday night, five middle school students accepted Christ as Savior and Lord. How did that happen? Together, we're banding together so that corporately we can reach northern Michigan for Jesus Christ. By the way, you can give a little clap there. Like, wow, Jesus, five junior hires, now followers of Jesus. We can have children's directors, and I think the best children's program here in the north. We can have community small groups. We can have people who are getting discipled and grow and mature and together we can reach northern Michigan, Michigan for Jesus Christ. That's our calling. That's what we're all about. That's what we're called as a church family to do. And, and we can support missionaries in Uganda and Sicily and Belarus and Derivo, Haiti. And we have missionaries, they're translating God's word in languages where they don't have a Bible. And we can have an Uncle Roger who's faithfully sharing release time classes every week with hundreds of young people. We can have a, a homeless ministry called the Nehemiah and Mary Margaret House. Did you know every night they share the gospel with those folks? Every night people are challenged to become followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we can have supporting uh, young life. You can support a launching of a new satellite church. Did you know we uh, launched a church? Did you hear about that? East Jordan Community Church six years ago. Why did we do that? Because corporately together, we could help make that happen and send like 
a hundred people over there so that that could get started and, and they're still, they're doing great, by the way, over there. And just keep praying. But that's why we come together. It takes a church family, y'all. And together, we give the first and the best 10% to reach our mission field. That's what this is all about. So if you want to bring it into the storehouse, the purpose is to keep on marching with the name and the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. Now go back to verse 10, okay? Look closely at the challenge. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. By the way, that's the only place in God's word where God says, test me. Usually if you start testing God, you're, you're heading in a bad place, okay? But the, here he says, no, I want you. Test me, try me, give it a shot. I dare you and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and I'll pour out so much blessing there will not be room to store it all. Here's what I want you to understand. When we give the first and best 10% when we tithe, we're not buying God's favor. We're actually entering into, I would like to call it, a reciprocal relationship. In other words, um, Lord, you've been faithful to me. You've, you've never failed me once. And now I want to be faithful back to you with my first and best 10%. Does that make sense? So it's entering into a faith-filled relationship. Some would say, you know, uh, I don't know about this tithe stuff. I, I, I'm not sure it, it's a, a New Testament thing. Track with me just for a second. Abraham tithed, tithed in Genesis. Uh, Jacob tithed in Genesis before the law, before Israel. And Jesus affirms the concept of tithing in Matthew 23, 23. Now, if you look it up, here's what, he, what happens. There were some people who were tithing, and they thought, well, I'm tithing, and I can just be a jerk, and that's okay. And Jesus says, no, no, uh, the tithing is good, being a jerk is bad. You, you still need to care about justice and mercy and faithfulness. We said a couple weeks ago, uh, Jesus always raises the standard in the New Testament. Uh, no murder. You can't kill anybody, Old Testament. Track with me? New Testament, Jesus says, I don't want you killing each other with words. That's, that's significant raising of the standard. Old Testament, you ready? Jesus says, no adultery, no sex outside of marriage. New Testament, Jesus says, I don't want any adultery going on in your hearts and your minds. I don't want any of those thoughts going in your brain. Stop it. Old Testament, Give of the first and the best 10%. And you say, well, I, I'm a grace person. Good, I'm glad to hear it. Let's raise the standard. Grace would start at 11%, okay? So I would say, you got to give. Uh, give your first and your best. You want to be Old Testament, 10. If you want to be a New Testament person, grace giver, start with 11% or, or up, okay? That would be your choice. But the standard is always raised in the New Testament. Verse 11 makes it clear. This is not a wealth and, and health and prosperity gospel. No, not at all. It's a promise of God's blessing. He's not saying, do it my, give the first and, and I'm going to make you a millionaire, you know, and you're going to have this, this. He's not promising a life of luxury. He's promising that a life of blessing will be upon you. Verse 11, look at it. 
It, it has to do with God's protection and, and God working in your life. Uh, I would argue it's things like he's blessing you with, with a solid and a healthy marriage. He's, he's blessing you with children who love Jesus and grandchildren who want to follow your lead and love Jesus. And oh, by the way, I would argue those blessings are way better than any money, monetarial blessings. But I believe he blesses there as well. Do you understand? When you say yes to Jesus, what he's saying is, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your socks off. Now, I suspect some of you are thinking right now, um, Pastor Jeff, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't afford what you're talking about right now. I would point you back to verse 10. Look there again. Because the promise to Israel, I believe, has application for us in his church 2018. Okay? The Lord says, test me on this one. Test me. Put me first in your finances. Move in my direction with your treasure and watch and see what I do in response to that. He says, if you're, you're a little skeptical, give it a shot right now. Align your life and your finances with my book. Look at verse 10 and watch and see if I don't come through on your behalf. Go ahead. I dare you, he says. I double dog dare you. It's fun to read this promise from God Almighty who's never failed us once. Would you not agree? Okay. Give you another run at that because I think that's true for all of us. Uh, who Our God who has never failed any of us even once. Would you not agree? And he loves to be trusted and he loves to be obeyed. But sadly, most followers of Jesus... According to surveys I trust, 90, 95% of us say, Jesus, I trust you with my eternal life. I'm so grateful that I can trust you with my eternity and you'll handle my salvation and you'll handle my eternal destiny. But I don't think you can be trusted for $75 a week or $100 a week or $150 a week, wherever you might be at. You understand? We think, I'll trust you with eternity, but I don't think I can trust you in my everyday life. So, this past week, I met with the church board, the elders and the deacons of the church. And we are ready to do something fairly radical. Are you up for fairly radical today? Can you handle something a little radical? Okay, I admit, that's where we're at right now. Here's what we want to say, we are so confident in God's word and God's promises, and we're saying we've tested this promise, and we've seen that our God can be trusted here. We've seen over and over and over again his faithfulness. So we are so confident that we are willing to join God in his promises, okay? In other words, we're going to put our money where our mouth is on this one, so to speak. So, Here's what we're saying. Here's the radical part. If you'll truly give the first and the best 10% of your income for one year, you tracking with me? In other words, we dare you, and, and we're going to join God, and it needs to be in a way that can be documented. You don't tell me in a year, oh, yeah, I put 10000 in the offering uh, in cash. No, no. It, it, if you'll do it in a way that we can document, write a check, 
push pay app. We have offering envelopes. Put it in and write your name down. If you'll do it in a way that can be documented, that was our lawyer's uh, recommendation, and I agree. Uh, here's, here's the point. And if God doesn't show up in your life in that year in a big way and bless you at the end of a one-year test, we'll refund your money. How's that for radical? Okay? We mean that we've seen it happen time and time again. And we believe it's so strong, we're going to stand with God on this one. And we're going to say, we trust you. Okay? So next year at this time, you find Pastor Chad or myself, and we'll have a little talk, and we'll talk about how did God work in your life? And we're saying, test him. Give it a go for a year. We dare you. That's what the Lord says here in Malachi 3.10, and we're offering a 100% money-back guarantee if the God, the God Almighty of this book doesn't come through. How do you like that? Okay? seeing the Lord do this over and over again in my own life, people around. Sometimes I heard this one lady say, I I'm not sure uh, if I'm getting more money, but it seems like everywhere I go, everything I need is on sale. I'm just telling you, the Lord works, and he'll join you and will join you in this step of faith. I'm not saying there's not going to be tight spots. That's just not the case. I'm not saying there won't be tests and temptations and I promise you, if you step out, Satan's going to do what he can to discourage you. Uh, he doesn't want you joining in and taking this step of faith with the Lord. But here's what I've discovered. Here's what the leaders here have discovered. If you're faithful and you keep trusting the Lord, you're going to discover our God is faithful to be trusted. He loves it. Seen it firsthand. And I'll say it one more time. The best blessings have nothing to do with money. I'll take uh, a blessed marriage and a blessed family and a blessed job situation and, and blessed friends. I'll take that way above any monetary. But I'm telling you, he blesses in that way as well. Again, don't limit how God blesses. He works and, and he's saying, I dare you. I dare you, my children. Test me on this one. Test me with this truth. I double-dog dare you. I do. I mean that. Because I think the Lord's saying, I double-dog dare you. Test me on this one. I am faithful. Will you take me up on the test? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. So when it comes to giving the Lord your first and best 10%, how you doing? Would you be willing to quietly just invite him to speak and make himself clear? How are you doing? How many of you can say, I'm not taking any credit for this because this was Jesus and his spirit and his word, word working in my life, but with joy and gratitude. You can sit right where you are and say, Jesus, you've gotten me over this hurdle. By your grace, by your strength, 
you've gotten me to the point where I'm regularly giving you the first and the best 10% and even beyond that. So uh, this is just a thank you, Jesus. And if that's you, just say, to you, Jesus, goes the glory and the honor. Just lift up your hand and say, Lord, thank you that I, I've, you've gotten me past this, this hurdle in my life. And thank you, thank you. And others of you are still in process and you just can't honestly lift your hand right now. Can I just tell you? We've all been there. We all, there's such a thing as instant freedom, but there's no such thing as instant maturity. It takes time to get your life aligned with God's book. That's true for every one of us. So what we're talking about here today is a step of faith and a step of trust where you're ready to say, you know, Lord, this is shaky, and uh, but I believe that you can take 90% of what's left and accomplish more than what I was accomplishing with 100% me controlling it or 98% of me in charge or 96 of my own. So is the Lord knocking and asking you to test him? Because he really means it. This is an area you can trust, the Lord says. So who would say with a shaky hand and a, okay, here we go, heart. Lord, I, I'm, I'm open to testing you on this, and here's what you need to know. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is simply in the church of Jesus, Lord, see my hand. I'm going to move towards you in my loyalty and my obedience. And by your grace, I'm going to step out and give it a test, give it a go. Anyone say right now, see my hand, Lord. I'm willing to, yeah, the ice seems pretty thin, (laughs) but I'm going to step out and walk anyway. Anyone else? Buddy in the balcony, see my hand, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Are you ready for a little secret? You think the ice is, is like maybe a quarter inch thick? It's like 50 feet thick. That, that's the ice that the Lord has for us here. <laughs> Lord, we want you to know we trust you. I pray for the hands that were just lifted up before you. We realize that every good gift any of us have ever received is from your generous hand. So would you watch over my friends now as they take this step of faith? As they launch out in obedience to your word? Lord, and as they seek to align their lives up with your book, Lord, help them to look for your blessings in their life. Blessings, yes, concerning money, but but more important, blessings in their family, blessings in their marriage, blessings on the job, blessings with your presence and power working through them, your your blessings, Lord. Uh, We love to line our lives up with you so we have your applause and congratulations on our lives. Work powerfully. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray all of these things. We're going to sing to Jesus.